morning, Bridge of Hope family, extended family, those all over who are joining us today. We're so glad you stopped on this video. We know there's plenty of places you can worship virtually, but we're glad you're here. We are continuing the series, Armed and Ready, where we are reviewing, rehearsing, declaring God's promises through the armor of God. And so we will continue in that series today, this time focusing on the feet of peace. Our text comes from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13 and verse 15, and it reads, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. And verse 15, for shoes, Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. God, I just thank you for each and every person and the moment that you have with them where they are tuning into your word, Father God. I pray that you are able to breathe life into them, Lord God, that you are able to direct them through this message, that this word brings them hope and encouragement, that it brings them confidence and firm footing in you. I pray this message reaches the lost God and knocks on their heart, Lord God. I pray this leads your people to seek to be filled with your spirit, on this day, Father God, I pray you do great things with your truth today, Father. And it's in your hands we place this message and this time. Have your way, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in a battle. We've been, we've been talking about that, the fact that we're in a battle. So let's talk about this battle. We've rehearsed Ephesians 6 and it tells us about the enemy that we are against that this enemy is not seen. You're not fighting against what it looks like you're fighting against. Our enemy can't be seen with the natural eye. So our battles are often not what they appear. Whatever we first think is coming at us is probably actually not what is really behind the opposition that we face day to day. The passage in Ephesians that I read before our prayer talks about how our opposition has leadership, it has rulers, it has authorities, it has mighty powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. There is strategy amongst the enemy. There's a hierarchy in his plot against God's people. And Paul writes to the Corinthian church also that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not physical, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. See, this battle of life is not physical, but spiritual. And so that means because we live in the flesh, most of the time, God can see our spiritual battles way better and way before we can. He can see him clearly and we cannot. And that is why Paul writes, children of God, arm yourselves. 
Paul says, take these spiritual attributes with you so that you can keep standing. You're standing. You are in the position of victory and he wants to make sure we keep standing and we stand firm. And so today's focus conveniently is on the footwear of this suit of armor, the shoes. And the shoes matter. Shoes matter, we know this. We know shoes matter. Other ladies out there, y'all know shoes matter. We tend to know this. And that's why in our closet, we end up having so many shoes. And the guys are not off the hook because I know there's some guys out there with a serious shoe game. And this is not a message on materialism, so you're off the hook in that regard. But the shoes matter. Just as shoes in everyday life matter, your shoes in your footwear of the armor of God, they matter. Let me give you an example. So I have here some shoes I wanna show you guys. These are the shoes of my two-year-old son. This is probably my favorite shoe that he has right now because I am his mother and my concern is safety, right? And so these are the shoes where pretty much no matter what we're doing, they're Nikes. I know he can probably run, jump, and get around pretty safely. Most of the summer, however, he's been wearing these shoes. These are water-resistant shoes. He's been in the pool with these on his feet. Sandals, lots of openings. Not the best for safety. When he wears these and he tries to run, he falls and scrapes his knees and even hits his whole face on the ground. It is a mother's tragedy. I'm okay, guys. He's okay, too. But another shoe. And finally, uh, these. These are actually getting too small for him. But whenever he finds these, he likes to put them on because they're cozy, they're soft, they got character, slippers. I want y'all to think about these shoes throughout the message because the shoes matter depending on what task me and my family are up against for the day, depending on the purpose in which we are getting our attire together. The shoe you top off the outfit with, it matters. Keep that in mind as we go through this message. Ephesians 6 and 15, the emphasis for today. I'm gonna to read it to you in three translations. First in the NLT, Ephesians 6 and 15. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In the English Standard Version, ESV. Ephesians 6 and 15 again. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. And the throwback version, the version in which I memorize scripture. That's why I call it throwback. Ephesians 6 and 15, King James Version, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. No matter the translation we look at this verse in, there are three ideas that keep standing out. The gospel, aka the good news, it's peace, and us being prepared and ready. There are shoes in our armor for us to stand and be ready based on the gospel's peace. Let's talk about this good news. So last week, Pastor Trevor and Brother Jason Summy gave the message focusing on the helmet of salvation. And I want you to go back and listen to that if you haven't because they go in depth of our salvation, <laughs> what it is, what it does, what, why we need to understand it, because that complements this verse, this passage, the armor and the pieces 
compliment themselves. So I'm not gonna go there, but I am gonna tell you why the good news is what it is. The gospel is good news because we literally changed positions when we came to Christ. And if you are curious and you are seeking this notion of coming to Christ, know that you're looking at a change in position. We went from being in opposition to God to being reconciled to God. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And that is good news, that he did not leave us where we were. Do you remember where you were? I remember where I was before I came in contact with the grace and love of God through Jesus Christ. Thank God he didn't leave us where we were and thank God he came for us because in doing so he changed our position. So I invite you in the comments to say, God, thank you for changing my position. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so in the comment section. But we need to hear this today. Today, September the 6th in the year 2020, that good old year 2020. I am believing God to bring good out of this year, y'all, and I need you to help me with that. But we need to hear this today because let's not sleep on our position in Christ and within his body. Let's rejoice in the gospel afresh today because don't forget, this is our first love. This is the common love story in, written within your book for every believer. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you, you're a chosen race. The word race agitates everybody nowadays, but beyond that type of race of physicalities, God is telling us that we are a chosen spiritual race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession that you and I can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness, me out of darkness, us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I hope you're hearing the shift in position from kingdom of darkness to kingdom of light. That's important because at the beginning of Ephesians 6, we read about what the kingdom of darkness is up to. And we all had a position in that kingdom before the Lord shifted us. And before we became born again, we know a little something about that kingdom. This is why the gospel is good news. This is why the gospel brings peace. We're gonna go further into that. Peace, a Hebrew word, shalom, means harmony, wholeness, completeness, prosperity, welfare, tranquility. Jesus provided this peace. And even before he came, God wanted us to know that even before he came, it was spoken of Jesus that when he comes to save us, that with him, he's gonna be bringing peace. Isaiah 53 and five. This is a verse you hear often at Easter time and Christmas time, but it's one of those verses we need to hear often more than that. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his wounds, we are healed. 
he purchased peace for us. He went through the opposite of peace, being innocent, and all of what we deserve being placed on him so that he could purchase peace for us. Another verse that is often heralded at Christmas time that we need to hear in this moment is Isaiah 9 and 6. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. We have an election coming up in like not that long. It's September. But the scripture says that Jesus, this is about Jesus, the Prince of Peace, that the government shall be upon his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Part of what he purchased by suffering and dying and rising for us is that same peace talked about in the armor of God. And then when Jesus came, John writes his words that say, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give it to you. And he goes on to say, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Understand God's peace as we talk about it more today because it's not man-made manufactured peace. It's not vacations. Even though I love vacations, I take me some vacations, y'all. I'm not knocking vacations, but vacations don't bring you the peace of God unless the Holy Spirit just pour out like Pentecost or something. I'm not talking about liquid courage. I'm not talking about your favorite beverage. People act like that's the only way to get God's peace is to go to a social gathering and drink liquid courage. I am not talking about romantic relationships and the promises that are made in media and social media and this image of romance being the savior and being a place of tranquility. Thank God for marriages. Thank God for relationships. Thank God for people he has put in our, in our lives to help us. But that is not the peace that Jesus is talking about. That is the world's peace. That is man's best attempt to give us what feels calm and good and soothing to us. Mm, not even the spa treatments and the massages, y'all. We'll go for that and we need that and they are a blessing. I am not, understand what I'm saying. What I'm saying is those things give you a temporary fix, but Jesus is saying that that is not the peace that I'm giving you. There is a difference and a distinction and we're gonna talk more about it. peace that God gives that we are wearing on our feet in this armor is the peace that only the one who is responsible for our existence can give. This is peace that holds, peace that lasts. When Jesus came, when we received salvation, we put on the helmet, we are in God's kingdom, we have peace with God. That's one aspect of the peace. This is relational peace because you change positions out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And he says to his children in Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end, to give you an ending that you can expect that you can bank on, that you can feel is guaranteed, a future of hope, 
God doing that for us and telling us and explaining it to us and encouraging us throughout our walk with him is an avenue for his peace. Another verse that's a Christmas verse. A lot of Christmas verses today in September. I done seen some stores with some holiday stuff out, y'all. That's a whole nother sermon. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. At Christmas, we quote this verse from Luke, chapter 2, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest. We know it as peace on earth and goodwill toward men. But ESV says, on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. That is the goodwill toward men. And this was difficult for me personally to grasp. And I know it could be dif difficult for some of you who have not known an earthly father who was pleased with you. But because of the work of Jesus Christ, God is pleased with me. And he is pleased with you because Jesus Christ has atoned for us. And he stands before God in our face. He's pleased with us. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is coming, us receiving him gives us peace with God and also gives us the peace of God, divine peace. The peace that he says in John is different from the world's peace. The peace of God is not an abstract or an aloof thing. It's not just a feeling, it's not an emotion. It doesn't mean just feel good throughout life. But God's peace, his divine peace serves God's children in times of war and in times of battle. The gospel's peace, like I said, is not an emotion or feeling, it's more consistent than that. It's more final than that. It's able to endure more than a calm emotion can. It's like a safety net that is hanging under our lives that is able to catch everything when everything falls apart. And when life happens and you know that God's promised peace is catching you, that is an example of the peace of God. It's his promises giving you and I the confidence to endure. And some of y'all need it right now. Some of y'all need to be reminded of what you have access to. Outside of scripture, some of the best examples I have seen of God's divine peace has been in the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ. I've seen Amanda's peace as she shares on her Facebook page, her daily struggles against pancreatic cancer. And yet at the end of every post, there's a similar tone that she knows no matter what happened that day that God has got her. I have seen the Ratliff's peace as they publicly and openly trusted God as they were going through health complications with Christian, and yet they came through that situation through the peace of God. I've seen women go through miscarriages and come through those tragedies with the peace of God in hand. I've seen survivors of domestic violence Domestic violence, a sin that tries to destroy a person both on the inside and on the outside. I've seen people come through those horrors waving the banner of the peace of God. Mm. 
this peace of God, it undergirds our lives when we encounter the unthinkable and there's still an echo when we get up from our battles. Peace. The peace that surpasses all logic, surpasses our intellect, and it's so um, divine and it's so supernatural that it even shocks us and scares us when we go through trial and battle and yet there's this peace that the world can't figure out. There's a hymn, a song that many of us know, It Is Well. That song is an amazing illustration, a lyrical illustration of the peace of God. So if you know that song, I invite you now to type any of the lyrics to the song, It Is Well, in the comment section. Go ahead and sing it. I know some of y'all are already busting out the songs in your houses and I wish I was there. Oh, how I miss singing praises, hymns, songs to the Lord with my brothers and sisters. But it is well with my soul, y'all. Make melody in your heart. Be reminded, church, of the peace of God that is the foundation of your life like shoes for your feet. So some of the lyrics of the first verse are, when peace like a river attendeth my way, Peace is calm and tranquil as a river. When I'm in that mode and that's what's happening in life. But then yet also when sorrows like sea billows roll. Waves, torrentous waves. Think about sea billows, waves. It's a constant rocking, a constant assault out in the middle of the ocean, never ending. When life is throwing you that, and when life is as calm and tranquil as sea billows, whatever my lot, whatever I draw, whatever my deck of cards hands me, and y'all, if we sat around and told testimonies, we would look at each other's cards and be like, man, how are you still standing? By the grace of God. But the lyrics say, whatever life deals me, whatever my lot, God has taught me to say it is well, it is well with my soul. A lyrical picture of God's divine peace. How can that be if not for the grace of God? Philippians 4 and 7, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do you hear that reference to the armor and the battle? God's peace will guard us. God's peace will mobilize us. God's peace is important to be at the shoes. Colossians 3 and 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Some of y'all have not given God the praise you normally give him since this pandemic. And this is your moment. I'm not sitting in the room with you. Give God the glory he deserves, no matter what, because he gives you access to his peace. His peace is still there, no matter what the circumstances look like. Isaiah 26 and 3. Lord, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Don't take for granted who you trust in. Don't throw that aside, not in this time, not in any time, because the one in you, the one in which you trust 
has given you this protective armor. You are victorious in your battle. So don't neglect the one you trust in, but he will keep you in perfect peace. Those whose mind is stayed on him because we trust in him. Not because we are great or we are good. Not because we are warriors, kings and queens, but because the one we trust in is holy, righteous and loves us perfectly. Peace. Why did God choose peace for shoes, y'all? If you don't know it by now, let's talk about it. Ephesians 6 and 15 again, this time in the Amplified. <laughs> and your feet, and having strapped on your feet, the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Shoes, shoes, they represent what is foundational at the very bottom, underneath everything. They represent something simple enough and yet strong enough to walk on. And as I said earlier, the right shoes matter, y'all. Imagine that you're living life and you don't wear, in your armor you don't have on your feet shod for with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Imagine that's not what you're wearing. Then what are you wearing? Are you going into battle with shoes that are laced with depression? Are you getting up every day and putting on your anxiety and tie and lacing it up and say, all right, day, all right, spiritual battle. All right, let's go. Got my anxiety shoes. Are you going into battle based on your past failures, unforgiven? God forbid that we are doing spiritual battle with artificial peace. Some of us are. Some of us are, and I implore you, child of God, put on his armor. Cover your feet with shoes made with the readiness that the gospel of peace gives you. Remember, Jesus said, my peace I give you, not that the world gives. The world's peace is artificial. The world's peace is man-made. It's secondhand. It's hand-me-down. It's wannabe peace. It's manufactured. It is temporary. It is fading peace. I know a little bit about that. I can give you an example of some real shoes. So this past Christmas, I spent Christmas in Cincinnati, where I'm from, with my family there. And this last Christmas, we went to the Ark Encounter Museum, which is in Kentucky, um, right outside of Cincinnati. And I forgot to pack my sneakers. And so we're going to a replica of Noah's Ark. Gonna be huge, they're gonna be animals, and there's gonna be a lot of walking. So we go to the store and buy sneakers so that I could put them on and be, have on the right shoe, for this long day of walking and exploring this art museum. And so, I get these shoes, I put them on, and they hurt my feet. They weren't broken in. I got big wide feet, I don't know who I inherited them from, I don't know if my kids gave them to me, I don't know what, but I got big wide feet and the shoe gotta be right, the shoes weren't right. Ended up wearing my Ugg boots. But on the outside looking in, you would have looked at my shoes. They were New Balances, y'all. I wore New Balances and ran in those in track meets. Those should have been a good shoe. And they were sneakers. And they had all the appearance of comfort and appropriateness for what I wanted to do, but they were not the right shoe. 
And some of you guys have spent so much time trying to make it look like you're walking around with the peace of God in your life when you don't even know him. You've been around religiosity. You claim his blessing and you claim his peace, but you are lost. But he's got a message of hope for you today. And every day he gives you breath. He wants you to have his peace. Not what comes short of it. If the shoes and the armor had a brand, it wouldn't be Nike. It wouldn't be Adidas. It wouldn't be Chuck Taylors and Converse's, all of which are in my closet now, right? But Jesus' brand would be peace. And so I wonder if maybe Steph Curry, NBA player, if he caught wind of this notion of the armor of God in his feet shot with the preparation of the gospel because he puts the scripture on his shoe, his basketball sneaker, his line that he sells. And guess what verse it is? It is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, y'all. How appropriate for a shoe. Plenty of verses echo that God has given you his divine peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And the Bible also says that beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel. And we have all seen feet that are aesthetically challenged, okay? And y'all are probably like, Ray, what? I can say this because my feet are perfect. And God has brought me a mighty long way where I am comfortable with my imperfect feet. It's not an insecurity for me. Isaiah 52 and seven though, in that verse, he says, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that God, the God of Israel reigns. And then Paul echoes it again, paraphrasing from Isaiah in Romans 10 and 15. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. You know what makes those feet beautiful? People think that verse is talking about ministers, peace, preachers, and pastors. No, that verse is talking about those who possess the good news. Because if you possess it, you carry it. That is for all of us who are carrying within us the words of life. But what makes those feet beautiful is not those who are carrying it, but it's what we are carrying. It is the gospel that is beautiful. It is the gospel and the love of God that is glorious. And when we make the gospel mobile, when we spread it to every relationship we're connected to, when we give God the glory he is due in our day-to-day -day lives, our feet are deemed as beautiful too. The message of God's love is so amazing that our feet are spiritually beautiful. Corns and bunions and blemishes and all and fungus too. All of that. You need a pedicure, carry the gospel of Jesus Christ and your feet will be spiritually beautiful. You ain't gotta spend a dime. Y'all, we are running. We are running this way, running this race with patience that is set before us and it matters what you're running on. You are planting your feet on something. And if you ask any runner, any track star, any cross country athlete, runners know that good foot support matters. And your whole attempt at anything can be messed up by the wrong 
shoe. This is a part of an armor. This is a part of our suit. And this part is not a weapon. It is not even a protective piece. This piece of armor on our feet propels us forward in holy confidence and it makes us ready for battle. How does it make us ready, y'all? How does it make us ready to continue standing firm? It's because the accusations against you that should condemn you are silenced in light of the gospel. The guilt and shame from your failures and weakness are now placed in Jesus Christ because it's given over to Jesus. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. And our suffering happens on our way to incomparable glory. Glory that cannot be compared to suffering, y'all. It can't be compared to our battles. Victory has already been guaranteed by Christ and you are on the winning side. Can't you hear, don't you remember Bridge of Hope saying that song by Israel Halton? We have overcome and then on the bridge, it tells us we got the victory and everything will be our all right because we're on the winning side and we are. We got changed in our position through Christ and we are now off of the losing team that makes a lot of noise and wants to look like it's winning and wants to look like that's the way everybody's going, but we are now on the winning side. Come on, y'all. Give him praise. He is worthy. If you were sitting in the, the, the sanctuary, you'd say amen. Hallelujah. Mm, mm, mm. We're on the winning side and that is what makes us ready. That was, that's what makes us prepared for life. And we're also ready because we now have an answer for the hope that we have no matter who asks. Let's walk in the gospel's peace. Let's revisit it. Let's rehearse it. Let's thank God for it. And let's let his peace surface to the top of our lives when we need it most, when we think it's not there, when we think we don't have it, and when we can't find it, it is there always in abundance. And it is perfect divine peace for you. So revisit it. And let it prepare you for your day. Let it prepare you for your month, for your life. We're wrapping up. And you may be one who is attempting to do spiritual warfare without any of the pieces of armor, without the gospel's peace, because you have not embraced the good news for yourself. You haven't received what Jesus has done for you. You are losing spiritual battle without the good news and the peace that comes with it. And without Jesus Christ, you are lost. And you want to know something else. Every Christian that you see, or self-proclaimed Christian even, they have all started in the same position as anyone who is lost. We all came from lost. And we're all so thankful that he didn't leave us there. And he won't leave you there. He invites you. He is the God who saves. He loves you and created you to win through him. And he's speaking to you today. If you have beef with him, if you have unresolved conflict with him, if you have unrepented sin between you and him, if he spoke to you about obeying him and you said no, and even if you're on the flip side where you just love him and life is cupcakes and rainbows and everything is peachy, 
even you he's speaking to today. Now it's time to speak back to the Lord. Thank you.